Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. And you can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us today and enjoy today's service. Good morning, Fellowship Church! Are you excited for what God is doing? I woke up this morning anticipating God's presence in this place. I was talking to Amanda yesterday and and the way that God is moving in this place is just something special. Amen. Have you been feeling the presence of God in here? Come on, with one hand up, let's just raise the other one and surrender. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you for your presence, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your miracle working power, Lord God that you give us every single day. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. Come on, give him praise this morning. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Stop singing your praise, and in the blessing. 
a do-over, a start-over, who feels so wrapped up in the yuck of what you have surrounding you that you are reaching up to Jesus saying, pull me out and plant me back again. So if that's you, would you raise your hand? Because I want to pray over you. Because God's in the business of new beginnings. And God will meet you right where you're at. And he will do something beyond anything that you could have thought up or dreamed up on your own. He will far surpass your expectations because he is the God of miracles. He is a God of faithfulness. He is a God who loves you, every last bit of you. So come on, church family, if you see someone with their hands up, would you lay your hands on them because we're about to intercede on their behalf. Father God, we come to you today and you see our hearts. You see these people who are desperately crying out to you. And Jesus, we ask that you would meet them right where they are. And God, that you would supernaturally reposition them, that you would supernaturally replant them, God, that you would supernaturally give them a start over. God, we come against the attacks of the enemy that are trying to pull them back into the ways that they don't wanna be in anymore. Jesus, we take back that ground in your mighty powerful name. And God, we ask that you would bless your people. We ask Jesus that you would give them fresh and renewed hope. God, that you would renew their faith in you in knowing that even when the days get sticky and they get hard and it feels like you're treading through the mud, that God, the rescue is still there. You are the rescue. You've never left their side and you never will. Jesus, be with your people. Bless them and deliver them. Bless us, deliver us. In Jesus' name, amen. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. 
spent a lot of years thinking that God was against me, that he was mad at me, that in some way I had done something. But I believe that God wants us to know this morning that he is not against us, that he is for us and not just us, but our children and our children's children and our children's children's children down to a thousand generations. And this song we sang is from Numbers chapter 6, and it's the blessing that a Jewish rabbi would leave over the believers or over the Jewish people as they dismissed a service many times to remind us that we serve a God who is for us. We serve a God who has our best interests at heart, a God who loves us. He's not looking for a quick way to punish us or get back at us, but just to wrap us up in his arms as his sons were his daughters. So be assured this morning that he is on your side. He's looking out for you, looking for ways to pour out love and blessing and strength and peace into your life. And that's what we're going to ask him for together right now. Jesus, we simply ask that you would show your favor to us. We know that we didn't do anything to earn your favor. There's nothing that we did to just like deserve it and make us be special in your eyes, but you, you chose us long ago and you decided to lavish your kindness and your grace and your mercy and your favor on us. We don't really know why, but we are so grateful and we sense that here in this room this morning that your favor is upon us and we love you and we ask for blessings not only on us, but on our children and our children's children down to a thousand generations. And when you do something awesome in our lives and in the lives of the generations that follow, we'll know, we'll know it was because of you. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning, church family. If you would, turn, greet one another, and then make your way to your seats. If you're watching us online, we'd love to extend a very special welcome to you. We're so glad that you are. If you have a prayer request during this morning's service, please just type that into the chat. Click the prayer request button over there and let us know, and we'll be happy to pray with you about that. You can also put where you're watching from, and we just always love to see how far the word is going forth from uh, this house. So thank you so much for doing that. If you are a guest or a visitor here at Fellowship, we're super excited that you're here. We always love to see new faces. If you would, following this morning's service, stop by the information counter and simply let us know that you're a guest and make yourself known to us. We'll have you fill out a brief information card, gather a little bit about you. We'll give you a gift card to the church bookstore for you and everyone in your visiting party. But if that's not your style and you want to go digital, you can simply text the word fellowship to the number 94,000. And that'll take you through the same series of prompts and put you in touch with one of our pastors and get all the same information. But we're just glad that you're here. We hope that you make yourself at home. We want to let you know that whenever you come to God's house, there are a variety of ways that you can give. And all the directions for that is on the side screen. You can do it uh, online. You can do, use the Church Center app. You can go old school. You can mail in your offering, whatever you want to do. From time to time, we get this question. I get it in the lobby. And someone will come to me and say, with an earnest heart, like, why do I have to bring my tithe to church? Why can't I bring my tithe and just sort of spread it around like there's the latest disaster, I could give some to the Red Cross, I could see a homeless person and I could just feel led and maybe give them some of my tithe or maybe I could give some of my tithe to a single mom that I know that's struggling and I could bless her. And so why can't, and then give some to the church, but why can't I spread around my tithe to other good and valid purposes for hurting and broken people around me? And I think that that's a question that a lot of us have asked ourselves over the years and so just want to address that this morning. The first reason that we don't do that is because the Bible says to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And storehouse is symbolic here of the church. But what's key about it is it says like bring the whole thing. So it's this implication is we're gathering together my resources and yours and yours and yours and yours. All of us together are pooling our resources. And the reason this really matters is what Pastor Tim read last week in Acts chapter 2. It talks about how all the believers brought all of their things together and they held them in common. And then they used them as a body, as a group, to give those to the individual people in need. If I say, I'm going to keep my tithe and I'm going to give it to a single mom and the Red Cross and whatever's on my heart, then who gets the glory and the credit for my giving? I do. 
But when I put all of my money, just without any recognition, I bring it to the common grouping of money, the whole tithe together, my money disappears with everyone else's money. And then who gets the glory for the giving? The kingdom of God gets the glory. Jesus gets the glory. And so the, the giving goes out, but my name is not attached to it. Instead, Christ's name is attached to it. That's why all the believers in the early church brought their money, pooled it together, and then trusted the local church to make sure that when the next disaster came, there would be giving towards that. When the next single mom came in need, there would be giving towards that. And so it's pooled together so that it becomes to his honor and to his glory rather than to our own. So let's pray together. God, we, we trust you. We trust you as we pool our money together, we gather our resources, we bring together the whole tithe into your storehouse. We ask that you would cause it to be multiplied and that while our names would become less and less known, that your name would become more and more known and that you would be made famous through the resources of the church together reaching hurting and broken people around the world. And Lord, for each one in this room, that you would supernaturally bless every individual here, that you would bless people in their finances, that their stuff would just last longer and not break down, and that you would find a way to pour out more and more as we're faithful with the things that you give us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, there is a ton of cool stuff happening around the church. I'd love to show you this video to give you a little bit more idea about it. This season is flying by and Easter is right around the corner. This service is so special because it represents and is the very foundation of our faith. Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins so that we could have eternal life with him. When we confess that he is Lord and believe in him, we have eternal life and we can't wait to celebrate him and what he's done for us. Please make sure that you invite everyone and anyone to this service. These cards are going to be at the information counter and we want to share the good news and bring hope to everyone we can. These last classes that we have launched have been incredible and people are getting connected and growing in their faith. If you're hungry for more and ready for your next step, please consider joining Rooted, Empowered, or Bait of Satan. These are all powerful courses that we've been talking about the last few weeks, and it's the perfect opportunity for you to flourish. If you want more information and are longing for community, check out the Church Center app for all the information that you need. Young adults are having a kickoff party on April 2nd at 6.30 in 4640. Anybody 19 to 29 should come to this free event. Food, do I need to say anything else? <laughs> yes. I will. There's going to be a fun time with our spider jump, pickleball, wipeout. Come and hang out and have a lot of fun before we launch into our study on April 4th. Bring some people, whoever, and register on the app for free. Coming up on April 16th, we will have our baby dedications in both of our services. This is a sweet time of covering our next generation in prayer and committing as a family to raise them up in the way that they should go. God has a hope and a future in store for every child, and we can't wait to see what God has in store. Speaking of the next generation, Camp 4640 is for our middle school and high school students. This is happening May 25th through the 28th. You have to make this a priority for your summer schedules. The time has never been more urgent for our youth to know who they are created to be in Christ. The truths and experiences that we have during these camps really solidify relationships with God and equip students to go out and be a light in this world and culture. You guys, if you missed the Valleywide worship service last weekend, first of all, wow, God was moving in a crazy, amazing way. And second, we have the worship service posted that you can watch it on YouTube and Facebook, so go check it out now. Pastor Hooper is bringing the word today. This is not your practice life. So receive what God is speaking this morning.
The title of this message today is This Is Not Your Practice Life. And I want to just tell you guys, it is, our, it is our desire here, it's our purpose, it's our prayer, that every single person in this place would know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We can't go back in life, you guys. We can't skim through the decades we've already lived and think, man, if I could just do that one over. We don't get a redo. And if you leave this earth not knowing your heavenly father, you don't get to come back and re-decide that. So this morning, if you have not made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life yet, if you have not gotten into a relationship with him, we're about to watch a video by Pastor Billy Graham in some of the last days of his life. Make that decision today. Lock in a home forever in heaven because we don't get to come back and decide again. Let's take a look at this video. Today, I'm asking you to put your trust in Christ. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer, sentence by sentence after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you've died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins. I repent of my sins. I invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. there's been a time in your life when you've prayed that prayer 
accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you didn't just in that moment, and maybe you're watching from home, then if you skipped it, I pray that before you go to sleep tonight, you would. Because if you ever hope to have joy in this life, if you ever hope to have God's help, if you ever hope to really experience what happiness is and what real eternal hope is, you're going to need Jesus. My dad accepted Christ as his personal Savior under the Billy Graham ministry many, many years ago. Ann and I have been there to the uh, Billy Graham Library a couple of times, and we plan on going back again. But it is a prayer that uh, uh, many people have prayed in their life, one after him, uh, that has brought about salvation. But if you haven't done that, I do hope that you do. The church is a great place. It's a place where you and I can meet with other people, where we can grow in our relationship with God. It's, it's pretty awesome to be a part of it. But when you come here, you're just with people. And the truth about the people that are here, and I, I know most of you, we're pretty messed up. I mean, we love the Lord with all our heart. We come, we worship, we serve, but we still mess up. We still have issues in our life, things that are going on that we need help with. But if you, if you really want help, then you're going to have to have this personal relationship with Jesus that we've been talking about. If you really want the kind of help that God wants to give you, you're going to have to have, you're going to have, to have knowledge of him. When you come to our church, you're going to find that there are people here that uh, will stand and they'll sing, they'll worship. You'll see them up here on the platform. And they're smiling, and, and it seems like maybe they don't have anything at all going on in their life. Maybe there's nothing wrong happening with them. But the truth is, there's a story behind every smile of every face. And some of them are pretty horrific. But yet they stand here in the service, they worship their Heavenly Father, and they keep going. Because they learned something a very long time ago, that this life is not our practice life. Now, in order for you to really understand that, there is a... Uh, term that football coaches use when they get their players on the field, and they do this like one time a week, and it's called shell practice. Shell practice means shorts, shoulder pads, and, and, and a helmet. That's all it means, shorts, shoulder pads, and a helmet. It means that nobody's really playing at 100%. They're not hitting full on. There's no full contact. It means that no one's trying to injure another player that is on the field, and it means that the whistles are blown very quickly to stop the play before anybody kind of gets ramped up. It's called shell practice. And the reason why they do this is so they can run through the drill, so that they know what they're doing when they get on the field with, with, with the team the next Friday night. It is so that they, they can practice their skills. But if there's a person on the field that has an injury, if there's somebody that's vulnerable because of something, a hit that they've taken in the past, nobody's targeting that vulnerability. Nobody's going after that to be able to increase the injury that another teammate has. Because they know the real enemy, the game time enemy, the opponent, has not yet stepped on the field. Well, the difference between practice and real life is that the opponent our real enemy is always on the field. And he's never laying back. He's just not trying to hurt you. He's trying to destroy you. Now, this is how the Bible puts it in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And that word devour means to completely destroy so that there's absolutely nothing left. And every week people walk into the doors of Fellowship Church that the enemy has tried to or is trying to completely destroy. The enemy has unleashed a weapon of mass destruction on God's kids in order to take you out. Now that's the bad news. The good news is this, no weapon that is formed against you, will prosper. The Bible tells us this in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. The Bible puts it this way. In that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. Now, notice the Bible did not say no weapon would be turned against you. The Bible didn't say the weapon wouldn't be formed. 
The Bible simply said it wouldn't work. So weapons will be turned against you. There will be the enemy coming against your marriage, the enemy coming against your finances, the enemy's going to come against your, uh, uh, your relationships, the enemy's going to come against your work, and the enemy's going to come against your health. But the Bible says that, that God said that you and I do not have to fear a weapon because even though the weapon is formed, the weapon won't work. And then it goes on to say, you will silence every voice raised to accuse you. And then it goes on to say, these benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Now notice with me if you would. These benefits are not just for anybody, but the Bible says they're enjoyed by who? The servants of the Lord. There are benefits for you and I serving our Heavenly Father. Those of us that serve him can fall underneath a certain amount of protection. The Bible says those of us who serve him, there's no weapon that is going to, to come against us that's going to prosper. And that's one of the reasons why we tell so many people every week, find an area of serving your Heavenly Father here at Fellowship Church because there's benefits that come with that. Now, serving God doesn't have to be something that's scary. It doesn't have to be something that's maybe up on a platform or on a stage or back in a classroom. Serving God can simply be as simple as praying for another person. It can also be as simple as sharing the plan of salvation with another person. Here, here's one that's real simple. This week, Jackson is going to put on our Facebook page that Billy Graham prayer of salvation. And serving your Heavenly Father might be to take that prayer off, off Facebook and share it with a family member, share it with a coworker, share it with somebody else so that they might be able to pray that prayer of salvation or at least have it in, the, in their inbox so that they might be able to do so in some time of their life. That puts you in the category uh, of serving your Heavenly Father and it puts you in the category of no weapon forming against you is going to prosper. Now notice that Isaiah did not specifically identify what the weapon is. So the assumption is this, it doesn't matter what the weapon is. If the weapon is formed, then it will not succeed when it comes to your life. Would you bow with me for prayer just for a moment? Father, I want to ask you right now in this room that you would forgive all of us of our sins and you allow us to be able to serve you and live for you the way that you want us to. I pray that you would use me, forgive me where I failed you. And I pray, Father, that you would speak through me this morning to speak right in the hearts of the lives of each person that is here. Use me for your honor and glory, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so now that I told you that the weapon won't work, I do want to at least identify one of the weapons that's being used as a form of mass destruction against God's people today. It is called the weapon of settling. Settling is, the intentional, is intentionally or unintentionally accepting a state of existence that is inconsistent with God's intention for you. Let me say it again. It is intentionally or unintentionally accepting a state of existence that is inconsistent with God's intention for you. It is when you look in his promises of Scripture and you refuse uh, to pursue them. It means you accept the wilderness because it's better than Egypt, but Canaan is still out ahead of you. It's accepting surviving when God wants you and I to thrive as his children. It's accepting a mate instead of waiting on your mate. It is accepting a job instead of the God, job that God created you to serve in. Settling stops forward progress that God wants you and I to make. And it keeps us in place. It keeps you and I stuck. And many times we do not settle because we want average. Many times you and I settle because we're, well, because we're exhausted. And I'm not talking about exhaustion of the body where a little bit of sleep and extra night's rest will be able to cause you to be able to get up from that and go on. I'm talking about exhaustion of the soul. I'm talking about your mind being exhausted, your will being exhausted. I'm talking about your emotions being exhausted and your affections being exhausted. Exhaustion when it comes to breaking a glass ceiling. Exhaustion when it comes to feeling sad when you wake up in the morning. Exhausted because you've given your love to someone over and over again only to find that they have used you. Exhaustion from having to start over and over again because of the broken promises that keep coming back into your life. You see, something else I've learned about settling is that settling does not just show up in your life practices first. Settling shows up in your prayer life first. Prayer is one time in our life that used to be untamed, now become tamed. 
And when you're exhausted, you go from praying Jabez-like prayers to praying safe prayers. Jabez prayer. Jabez was a character in the Old Testament that, uh, that prayed one time. Well, first of all, his name simply meant the one who caused me pain. So Jabez in the Bible, when you see that name, means that his mother named him in a season of pain in her life. And many times when a person is given a name in the Bible, it means that it, it carries on for their future. It is a prophetic thing that determines how they will live as they go forward. So when Jabez was given this name in a season of his mother's pain, this carried with him so that when his mother would call him, she would say, come here, the one who caused me pain. Go to the store who wanted to cause me pain. Hey, where is the one who caused me pain? And that would stay with him because of a season of, watch this, a season of pain in someone else's life. That person was, watch, marked for the rest of their lives. And then Jabez, one prayer, said, no, no, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. So he prayed a prayer that is recorded in the Old Testament that goes like this. God, I pray that you would bless me indeed. I pray that you would expand my territory. I pray that you would keep your hand upon me, and I pray that you would keep me from evil, that it would not cause me pain. There is a reason why you and I should never allow anyone else in their pain in some kind of short season of their life to label you or to put any kinds of words on you or any kind of spoken hatred over you that, that, that would keep you from living the kind of life that God wants you to live. Nobody but the Heavenly Father can name you. Nobody but the Creator can say what you can do, what you have the potential for. And there are four basic reasons why you should never let anyone who has spoken badly about you, anyone who has talked about you, keeping you down from being the person that God wants you to be. And do you want to know what those four things are? Number one, they do not pay your bills. Number two, are you ready for this one? They do not pay your bills. Number three, you're going to love this one. They do not pay your bills. And, and number four, do you know what that one is? Come on with me. They do not pay your bills. Only God can give you the name that he wants you to have. Only he can move you forward in the life that he wants you to live. And never allow somebody in their season of pain to speak over you word curses or to tell you that you are not who, or an ex saying that you will never and you can never accomplish or you will never be something that God, God wants you to be. When I, uh, when I, walking to the room here, I always ask God, if you would, to please allow me to read the room. Allow me to know who's here. Allow me to feel his presence and to uh, follow his guidance. And this morning when I walked in, I sensed it actually before I got in here, um, uh, who would be here today? And like so many times on a Sunday morning, there, there's always a, three different groups that are in the room. The first group that I want to mention to you is that there are some people going through a season in here today of confusion. Confusion because God has closed the door on something that you wanted. But watch this. It was something that you were going to settle for. And God knew that he had something better for you. And even though you're confused, God closed that door because you were willing to take less than what God had in mind for you. And what God is doing in your case is he's protecting you from your own choices, your choices to settle, your choices to stay on a dead-end job for too long, your choices to take something you shouldn't have take, taken at that time and move forward and just keep waiting on God and, and get to get what God wants you. And it's, it is. It's a state of confusion because you've seen a closed door, a locked door. There are others that are in the room, some of you that are, that are going through feelings of abandonment and you're going through feelings of loneliness because there's been some people in your life that don't return your calls anymore. There are some people in your life that are really sold. You send out 10 texts, and they might send you back a two-word answer in a text. And the truth is that loneliness was orchestrated by God. God orchestrated a season in your life of isolation to free you from codependency with some people in your life. Let me say that again. He orchestrated a season of, of isolation to free you from your sense of codependency in that, in that person. 
and, and this is very important. Let me put it this way. Some ghosting is God. Now, for all of you over 60, ghosting means when somebody, <laughs> come on, let me help. Somebody had to help me, does not return your text. Some ghosting is God. And that can be one of the most painful seasons in your life, but one of the most freeing experiences that you will ever have. And then there's another group in the room. Some of you might be going through the feeling of prayer fatigue. Prayer fatigue is when you have prayed for something for so long and you still hadn't seen an answer. Prayer fatigue is when you have prayed for that child, that grown child, to turn back to God and he's been walking away from him. Prayer fatigue is when you have been asking God to heal you. Prayer fatigue is when you've been praying for a relationship to men. Prayer fatigue is when you've been praying for a job situation to get better, for the finances to turn around. And it goes, turns into weeks, it turns into months, it turns into years. Until you finally get to a point where you're not sure if he's going to answer, where you're not sure if he's even paying attention. Prayer fatigue is when you keep praying the same prayer over and over and over again. And it doesn't seem like God's listening to you at all. Prayer fatigue. To a point where you feel like, what's the use? Maybe, you know, my, my child's not going to return to the Lord. Maybe this relationship's not going to get fixed. Maybe I'm going to be filled with stress and anxiety for the rest of my life. And pretty soon, the prayers go tame. They go timid. Because we forgot a principle that was talked about by the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Where he says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest, a blessing, if we don't what? If we don't give up. You see, one translation puts it this way, calls that in due season or in just the right time. Now, we think there's four seasons, winter, spring, summer, and fall, but for the child and child of God in the kingdom, we have five seasons. We have summer, we have winter, spring, summer, fall, and due season. And due season is when that harvest of blessing is poured onto your life because you simply did not give up. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, and pray in the Spirit at all occasions. With all, look at this verse, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Now, now this is what I want you to look. We're to pray in the Spirit at all times with all kinds of prayers. Now, wait a minute. There's more than one kind of praying? You see, I just thought praying was talking to God. But what this says here is we are to pray with all kinds of prayers now, and it says, and request. Well, I have all kinds of requests. Give me this, give me that, take care of this person, do this over here for that person, right? We have all kinds of requests. What does it mean, all kinds of prayers? Is it possible for a minute, we'll look at it next week, but is it possible that the reason why we haven't got the answer for a certain prayer that we've been praying is because we're praying the wrong kind of prayer. Is it possible that the answer hasn't come quicker because the prayer you've been praying isn't the right kind of prayer that will bring about the result? All kinds of prayer? Are you trying to tell me there's more than one kind of prayer? Well, let me ask you a question. Is there more than one kind of problem? Well, then there's more than one kind of prayer. There's a passage of Scripture that Jesus will teach in Luke chapter 11 where he's telling the disciples how to pray, and then he gives a parable. And in this passage, he tells them, he says, you know, he says, uh, there's a certain man who went to a friend's house, knocked on the door at midnight, wanted something to eat, wanted some bread, because he had some visitors come and visit with him. And his friend said, go away, we've locked the door, I'm not coming to the door. And so he knocked a little bit more, and uh, uh, the friend you know, finally gets up, and he keeps knocking, the friend finally gets up and gives him what he wants. And then Jesus said this, and this is important. He said, although he didn't come to the door because of the relationship, and he didn't come to the door because of the request or the need. He came to the door and gave the answer because of the persistent 
okay. So no for the relationship, no for the request, yes for the resilience. There's a certain prayer that I prayed around here for four and a half years. I ask a lot of people in Grand Junction to pray with me. I call people in Florida and ask them to pray. I call people in Texas and I ask them to pray. And I, I dare say for four and a half years, uh, there wasn't a day, well, maybe once in a while, but not, not more than a day here or there that I didn't walk around in a circle and pray the same prayer. I didn't walk the floor tonight in my house praying the same prayer. And I didn't walk around this property up here praying the same prayer. For four and a half years, four and a half, I prayed one prayer for four and a half years until God finally, okay. And you might be thinking, well, I hope it was worth it. Will you tell me? Because you're sitting in it. This isn't our practice life. You miss out on salvation through Christ, you don't get to come back and do it again. If for some reason you settle with just a lukewarm kind of relationship with God, you don't get to go back and do that again. You can't capture your 20s, your 30s, your 40s. If you're praying tame prayers that are just about protection and not about your destiny, someone who says, I've had my heart broken. I don't, I don't want another man. Men are all, men are all mean. Some man praying, I don't need another woman. Women are crazy. They're all crazy. Those are prayers of protection. They're not prayers of destiny. What caused you to do that? Exhaustion. Exhaustion from putting your heart out there again and again and having it broken. Exhaustion from trying, pouring into something, giving, and, and not being reciprocated. You see, this is where the enemy attacks the minds of God's children. It's, it's just settle. Don't pour your heart and life into what it would take to see an amazing revival happen and sweep through our city. Don't put your extra time into serving the Lord. Don't pour into that individual. Don't show love and compassion to a certain uh, person. Or It takes money. It takes effort. We don't got time for that. And the truth is, it's not that we don't want that. It's just that we sometimes get so exhausted from the enemy just hitting us over and over and over again. If you are going to live the kind of life that God wants you to live, you don't have any more time to waste because this is your practice life. If you've been praying for something, for a long, long time. Don't get prayer fatigue. Don't stop. Can I get you to stand with me all over the room, please? With every head bowed and every eye closed for a minute, I just want to ask you a question. some area in your life where you just felt like giving up. Some area in your life where the hope for that situation is just kind of dying. Where you've almost been ready to throw in the towel. But you desperately want God to come through. You desperately want His answer.
would you slip your hand up just all over the room, just slip it up behind you. Don't stop. Don't stop. The promise from your heavenly Father to your heart and soul and your mind and your emotions and your will this morning is simply this. A harvest of blessings. Your due season is coming. Just don't quit. Just don't quit. Father, we ask you in the powerful name of Jesus, you bless every person in this room. I pray you meet every need that they have. You would guide them as only you can. And you give amazing answers coming back to them. And I pray, Father, that their due season would be this right now season. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. See you next Sunday. listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If this was your first time experiencing fellowship, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text fellowship to 94000 to connect with our staff. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting prayer support to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.